And welcome everybody back to UK Fast One. I feel like I'm sitting in Silicon Valley here with you all arrayed out there. Um, thank you very much for coming back from coffee. The coffee was exceptional. Um, so the fact that you've turned up for this session uh, reflects how excited you all are uh, to be here, to be talking about degree apprenticeships post-2020. Um, I am joined here on stage by an uh, illustrious and august panel of speakers that are going to be talking about degree apprenticeships and taking lots of questions from the audience uh, about the subject. So please uh, think about the kind of issues that you want to uh, address to uh, the panellists on stage. Um, I'm going to quickly uh, introduce them. Uh, they're going to um, introduce themselves uh, a bit more in a bit more depth uh, shortly. Um, but uh, starting to uh, my uh, right, uh, we've got Bob Cliff, uh, who is um, Director of Employer Relationships for Tech Partnership Degrees. Um, next to Bob is Chloe, uh, Chloe Hodgson, who is a degree apprentice uh, at Autotrader and studying at Man Manchester Met. I, I was expecting a cheer there, Malcolm. No cheer. <laughs> OK. A whistle. A whistle from the audience. Thank you. Um, next to me uh, is Claire Finley, who is global, I said global, head of apprenticeships at Barclays. Um, to my left, my immediate left, is a prof Professor Malcolm Press, a Vice-Chancellor of Manchester Met University, a member of the Institute of Apprenticeships Board. And last but definitely not least, uh, is Claire Bonson, a Deputy, a Deputy Director of Small Employer Programmes at the Department for Education. Uh, we had hoped that uh, the Apprenticeship Minister, Anne Milton, uh, would be joining us. Um, Clara is in Anne's place. Um, apparently there's something going on in Parliament today and Anne couldn't join us, uh, which I thought was particularly unreasonable, I'll be honest. Um, so a bit of a... Um, uh, bit of a bit of context for our um, discussion. Um, we are approaching the two-year anniversary of the apprenticeship reforms, uh, which was marked really by the introduction uh, of the apprenticeship levy, but also came with a whole series uh, of reforms that uh, really launched uh, degree apprenticeships uh, within the UK. Um, it has um, attracted a bit of criticism, I think we'll agree. Uh, but also uh, is largely um, acknowledged as delivering the kind of skills and the quality of skills that employers are now looking for. So it is a system that's beginning to work. There was a, a, a report from the National Audit Office uh, last week. If, if you're into reading government papers like I am, uh, you'll have seen that uh, the report was a, was a bit critical. It called out things like... Um, quality control and lack of ambitious diversity targets. But actually, on balance, it said that it was a system that was working and was delivering value uh, to uh, employers, which was what the reforms were set out to uh, achieve. Um, last year at the um, Conservative Party conference, uh, the Chancellor announced that there would be a review of the apprenticeship system post-2020. Um, and the topic of our discussion today will be to look ahead at what uh, that uh, system could look like in order to really work for all the stakeholders uh, concerned. So that's what we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to have some introductions from the panellists, uh, and then we're going to go to some questions from the audience. Um, and then the final thing from me um, was uh, I did check Twitter earlier, and I think it might have been broken. 
um, because I was at a I'm at a tech conference with a room full of tech people, and uh, and Twitter just was not going berserk in the way that I thought it would um, in the last session. This is going to be an amazing session. There's going to be a lot of twittable, twittable, tweetable, sorry, content. So please, 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 if you're not thinking about asking a question, get onto Twitter and tweet about what we're saying. So uh, please do that. Hashtag is digital skills matter at, uh, and then the uh, Twitter handle is at IOCoding. So at uh, hashtag digital skills matter. So please, please, please get onto Twitter. Now I'm going to um, go to uh, some introductions from the audience. And I was wondering, Bob, maybe could you start us off with some introductions? Of course, and hopefully you can hear me. I'm Bob Clifton. I work for Tech Partnership Degrees, and I'll just explain what that is before I say anything else, as I suspect a number of people here haven't heard of us. We are a small organisation. We are, we are focused on digital and technology skills, um, and, and we work on behalf of a, a lot of employers, and in fact, certainly have worked with Anthony and Claire here, uh, and a variety of other people, the, the names of which you'll recognise. Um, and, and we've been involved in apprenticeships at all levels and certainly up until a couple of years ago you had created 15 to 16 level 3 and level 4 apprenticeships and then in 2014 we were asked by number 10 to create the first degree apprenticeship uh, and, and that ended up being known as the digital and technology solutions degree apprenticeship uh, which I think Chloe is, 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 is on at this moment in time. And, and that was created very quickly with a very few number of universities working very hard with a group of employers. Um, and in less than a year, we went from a blank sheet of paper to delivering a programme. Um, so certainly have experience of that. And since then, I've been involved in a variety of other apprenticeships. We have created a master's of a similar name. We, we have created a cybersecurity degree apprenticeship. We, we are currently working and have been for over three years now on user experience degree apprenticeship, which has had a, a, an up and down sort of, uh, sort of battle really with the, with what was the SFA and then the, I, then the IFA. Um, and at this moment in time, the digital apprenticeship route, so the digital route is, is currently being reviewed by the IFA. It, it is the first statutory, statutory review of, of uh, digital apprenticeships uh, or of apprenticeships. And um, we're awaiting the output, and we don't know what the output will be. We had a meeting on the 5th of November with the, the people from the IFA carrying out the review, and I'm not sure at that time that they knew quite what the, re the shape the review would take, but we're waiting to hear what that will be. And so th th that's really introduces me. The challenges I have at this moment in time are really around funding bans and the uncertainty around funding bans, um, and very concerned about the removal of degrees from degree apprenticeships. Thanks, Anthony. Great. Thank you, Bob. Um, Claire, could you introduce yourself? Yes, so um, I'm Claire Bonson, and as Anthony said, I'm Deputy Director of the Employer Programme with the Department for Education. That's quite a new role, and um, when I say new, I mean very new, because I've been in position now for two weeks, so um, for me, it's incredibly new. However, um, having said all that, I'm not actually new to apprenticeships. I've been working in the apprenticeship programme since the inception of the National Apprenticeship Service, which um, I'm sure you've all got in your diary as 10 years old this year. So I'm sure you'll join us in a celebration in April when that happens. Um, 
So I've been involved with apprenticeships from local and regional implementation right through to supporting the development of some national programmes. And one in particular is higher apprenticeships, which of course paved the way for degree apprenticeships. Um, my new role, however, is about increasing the ownership of apprenticeships amongst smaller employers, and in particular the non-levy payers, um, which of course is part of the broader reforms um, for apprenticeship programme, which in turn are part of a, a much wider reform to simplify the complex technical um, education landscape. The reason we... Um, embarked upon the apprenticeship reforms, which as Anthony says was two years ago now, is to start to address some of the issues within the um, technical education landscape. So that was around relatively low investment in apprenticeships by employers, so it was paid for through um, general taxation and the funding very much rooted through training providers. Um, we also wanted to address the quality of apprenticeship training as this was seen as quite variable. Um, and there was also a, a fear that um, apprenticeships could be used to employ people on the cheap with, with very little training. So it's something we were really keen to address. And also we wanted to reverse the historic trend of underinvestment in skills and turn around the low levels of apprenticeships relative to our international competitors. So the reforms and indeed now the apprenticeship programme is about meeting the skills needs of employers about creating more apprenticeships and widening the participation in apprenticeships, so opening up opportunities very much to all. And I think very importantly for today, it's about creating progression for apprentices right through their career paths. So, so three key aspects, I suppose, of the changes, and that was about the introduction of apprenticeship standards that replaced the old frameworks. Um, all apprenticeships must last a minimum of one year, and of course they must all have at least 20% off-the-job training. Now, our previous system of apprenticeship frameworks was provider-driven. Um, our reforms, however, put employers firmly in the driving seat, because they're, they're designing the apprenticeships according to their skills needs. Um, so the apprentices finish with the skills, the behaviours and the knowledge that the employers are looking for. Widening the level of skills available through apprenticeships was a fundamental element of the reforms, um, enabling employers to utilise the effective and efficient method of skills development, not just at entry level, but right through their staff hierarchy, meeting their needs directly. So level six, and, level six plus and degree apprenticeships bring those benefits of employer-led jobs with training to all levels of apprenticeship employment and equip England's workforce with the higher level of skills needed in the economy. Digital apprenticeships, as my colleague has just said, were very much at the forefront of these developments. I think it was November 2014 that Ed Vasey, who was then the Digital Economy Minister, announced that degree apprenticeships would, follow, would allow young people to complete a full honours degree alongside employment. And the first digital apprenticeship started in September 15. So... Developments have gone on from there and spread across all sectors and all levels. And in total now, we have 412 new standards available across all levels and sectors. 78 of those are at level 6 plus, and 60 of those include a full degree or master's level. So from a standing point of nothing, that's quite impressive over those um, few years. And what it does show is that demand from employers for new standards and for the degree route through apprenticeships is very much rising. 
So there's four standards within the digital route and two further standards that are being developed, one of which has an integrated degree. Um, now, this reform programme was fundamentally changed what apprenticeships are. It's driven by employers, designed by them, um, designed to really meet the skills that they need for their industry. But further than that, we really want to challenge um, and change the value that's put on this route. So in December, the Secretary of State announced that we'll be changing how destinations from schools and colleges are published. So we do collect information about um, further education, apprenticeships and employment. They're all counted. And traditionally, we have shown where students go to specific universities, but we've not necessarily shown how many students progress to higher technical training. So in the future, there will be one measure, which is about young people doing higher learning on either route. So it starts to really put that on a level playing field. So this could be a degree at university, it could be higher technical training through an apprenticeship, it could be a degree apprenticeship or higher technical qualification. So quite a journey over the last two years into this major reform programme, but we accept there's still lots to do to check, to adapt, to move with the environment that we all live and work within. So I personally am really looking forward to this panel. Um, it's great to do it so early in my, my role, but to also learn and to listen from you about how we can help to shape the future of apprenticeships. Great. Thank you, Claire. Claire's okay, only been in her role for the last two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so so no, not too many hard questions, Claire, please. Um, Chloe, I always think it's, it's, when, it's always very good on a panel like this to hear the voices. You're an apprentice at Auto Trader. Could you maybe introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Chloe Hodgson. Um, as these guys said, I'm an apprentice at Auto Trader at the moment. Um, I'm a software developer and I'm doing the digital and technology solutions degree at MMU. Um, I started the degree in the very first cohort of apprentices. That was back in September 2015. Uh, and for me, the choice to do the degree apprenticeship was really because at the time I was already working full time. Um, so I knew that I wanted to go into software engineering, but I didn't have the skills in order to do that. So I was sort of debating whether to go back to uni. I'd actually put through my UCAS application to, to quit my job and, and go to uni full time um, when I heard about the degree. So the degree apprenticeship was really like the perfect option for me. So I'm now in my final year. I've got about eight weeks to go till my final deadline, not that I'm counting down. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've really enjoyed being on the degree friendship, so that's Brilliant. me. Thank you, Chloe. I'm not sure if I'd be so relaxed as you are if I had eight weeks to go into I'm the not deadline. relaxed. Okay, okay. <laughs> And Malcolm, could you introduce yourself? Okay. So I've been at Manchester Metropolitan for best part of coming up to four years now. So... Our university has grown its number of degree apprentices from around 50, um, some four and a bit years ago, to coming up to 1,300. We've always been very employer-focused in the way that we deliver our education. If you look at the roots of the university going back to the Mechanics Institute here in Manchester in um, 1824, that was all about equipping the people of Manchester with the skills and knowledge that they needed in order to... Um, improve their lives and to improve the competitiveness of local businesses. So in a way, I see degree apprenticeships as being a modern incarnation of what universities like mine have always set out to do. I think that's the first point I would make. Um, I think it's important to differentiate what an apprenticeship is 
compared with being um, an ordinary student. And we had the pleasure of welcoming um, Jonathan Slater um, to the university on Friday. He's the permanent secretary in the DfE. And we had a discussion on why um, all our 38,000 students are not doing apprenticeships. So I think um, the differentiation point is quite important. So to do an apprenticeship, first of all, you have to know what you want to do uh, and you have to be taken on by an employer. Um, I actually think in some ways it's harder to do an apprenticeship than it is to do a straightforward degree because you need to study and work simultaneously and that places quite heavy demands on the apprentice. I think thirdly, an apprenticeship programme is a programme where you can immediately apply the knowledge, skills and behaviours, and those are three attributes that define an apprenticeship, um, in the workplace. There's a very strong um, bringing together of studying and working, and that's important too. Not all subjects lend themselves to an apprenticeship, so we need to bear that in mind as well. Not everybody is ready to take one, and actually some employers are also looking for people that don't come through the apprenticeship route because they want um, a different sort of input to their business. They're looking for people that have creativity that's come from out with their organisation, sometimes from out with their sector. So I think it's about getting the right blend between people who are studying for a degree and um, people who are taking an apprenticeship. There's a debate going on at the moment, as you'll all be aware, about who pays for undergraduate education in the UK. And we know that apprentices have their courses funded through the apprenticeship levy. And I think in terms of working out who pays for study, it's important to reflect on who benefits from that study. So um, the moment undergraduates um, share the cost of their programmes with the general taxpayer, roughly 50-50, depending on what the repayment rate is uh, from the student's loan book, but the apprentices um, benefit from the levy, which is effectively a taxation on the employers. And I think really, um, if you look at it objectively, there are really those three stakeholder groups. The individual who studies, whether in the form of a degree or an apprenticeship, um, the general taxpayer, and also the employer. So I think in thinking about how we reform um, systems to fund UK undergraduates, we need to bear that um, important piece in mind. So we're very keen to support the development of degree apprenticeships. We're aiming to grow our numbers to around 3,000 over the next two or three years, but that will probably be the limit of growth, I think, for my organisation. Brilliant. Thank you, Malcolm. And Claire. Hi, everyone. Um, so Barclays started its tech journey in 2010 for apprenticeships, um, well ahead of any suitable qualifications being available for us to access. And we very quickly found that we had to either suck up the learning ourselves or fight to get the right qualifications for our apprentices. And so we, we muddled through the MVQ frameworks. I'm sure some of you battled with those as well. Um, and if you're a small business, they might have worked for you. But from a big business perspective, where people don't do everything front to back, where they're doing specific roles, meeting the requirements of those frameworks was really difficult. And so we had to do as best fits. And would you believe our technologists were was in the workplace learning to code and in college learning to do business administration because that was the only pathway we could get to work for those young people at the time. Fast forward, and we were invited to participate in the um, degree apprenticeship discussions. 
with a number of other companies. And that's the beauty about degree apprenticeships. It's not just what Barclays need, it's what the industry requires. And we have to come to some agreement about the content of what we want as an industry, which makes the ecosystem really buoyant, you know, trading people across our um, lateral workforce is an inevitability. So building it together seems sensible. Um, we jumped at the chance with, with MMU and, and with the Tech Partnership. And um, I was really fortunate enough to be part of the validation process with MMU. And the rigour and the structure that's been put right behind that degree programme means there's so much opportunity for our uh, apprentices to go on and learn really quality content. And what we're finding is that they're bringing that immediately to the workplace. So we're benefiting in real time. And the things that they're learning in the workplace, they then take back to university and challenge the thoughts and thinking of the, of the lectures. So it becomes a much more interesting in-depth discussion and they're learning quicker and faster because of that. Um, yes, it is hard for our apprentices and we do give them the 20% the time to, to learn that. But we find that actually our degree apprentices are the most motivated of our apprentices. And we hire apprentices from level two to seven. Um, from age 16 through to 62 and beyond. And our degree apprentices as a cohort are probably the most motivated of our organisation. Great. Thank you very much, Claire. And I think, you know, just talking as a small employer myself, I, I recognise the challenges that you had with the, the previous system and, and it just really wasn't fit for purpose. So I think, you know, on balance, from an employer's point of view, the new system is head and shoulders above what, yes, what the system was before. Um, I'm going to come to you guys uh, in a second for some questions. So I know that you're going to be bubbling with questions after those introductions, but I'm going to just take the chairman's uh, prerogative uh, and ask the first question. Um, and I just want to just understand a bit more why, um, why we think um, degree apprenticeships are so important. Maybe Chloe, could you, could you answer that from a, an apprentice's point of view? Why, why a degree apprenticeship and, and not just a regular degree? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'd say from an apprentice student point of view, um, a degree apprenticeship, I really don't see why anyone would ever want to do a normal degree if, if they knew about degree apprenticeships. Um, I think the fact that I've, at the end of my degree, I'll have had four years um, experience in a working environment is massively <laughs> beneficial. In my third year with the degree, I was actually promoted to a professional level developer um, which is something that someone coming off a graduate scheme would have had to do two years on a graduate scheme before they got promoted to that level. So before I've even grad graduated, I was promoted to professional. So that's I, I just don't think a, a normal graduate would have had the opportunities that I was given and um, the experience that I've had now. So, um, yeah, I think for, for the student point of view, it, it's just the fact that you're getting that work experience it's just so beneficial and actually Malcolm said um something before about the um degree is helping you when you go back into work so you're learning things on the degree that you're putting into place at work whereas I actually find that I'm learning quite a lot in work which is helping me towards my degree I've, I've got really good grades up to now and I'm, I put that down to the, the amount that I actually learn when I'm on the job so brilliant thank you and um, Malcolm you mentioned that the permanent undersecretary, permanent undersecretary, permanent secretary, permanent secretary. Sorry, said why aren't why aren't all your students here doing degree apprenticeships? Do you think there's there's that? Do you think degree apprenticeships could become so universally recognised that actually the majority of courses you you provide are degree apprenticeships? 
Well, well I don't, actually, for the reasons that I uh, endeavoured to articulate. Um, they don't suit everybody. And actually, um, the best apprentices are the more able students because it does require a Herculean effort to get through the degree and to continue to work at the same time. So if you think about it, um, a degree apprentice is doing in four years on a one-day-a-week basis, the same as a undergraduate student would do in three years on a, on a full-time basis. So it, it does require a different sort of mindset. And not all careers lend themselves to a, an apprenticeship standard. And I think you know if we were to rebalance um, too much in that direction, um, I think we would be denying um, the young people of this country and the businesses of this country an opportunity to benefit from the things that um, an undergraduate degree brings. Mm. Actually, it's about having the right mix. That's what this is about, really. It's not about one thing being better or right than the other. Great, thank you. Um, Bob, what, what are your, what's your take on this? You, as you said, you started developing qualifications for level three and level four uh, before embarking on, on the degree, digital degree apprenticeship journey. Why, why do you think they're so important? If you go back seven or eight years, maybe, maybe a few more, maybe a few less with some companies, you'd find that into digital roles, and I think the nice thing about digital technology roles is that they span every sector. So we're not talking about one individual sector, we're talking about all sectors. Many, many companies, and particularly the large companies, only hired graduates into entry-level roles. They didn't hire people without degrees. Um, and therefore, it was restricting you know, the opportunity to a certain number of people. And I think what we've seen certainly, and what I think is really valuable with degree apprenticeships, we, we have numerous examples of people who would never ever have gone to university, who are doing superbly uh, studying at university, doing a good, taking a degree apprenticeship, um, performing exceptionally well, and, and the message that, I've, that Claire said, Clary has said, and I've heard from many, many employers, is that the degree apprentices outperform the graduates for the first God knows how many years when they join the company, and maybe the graduates will never catch up. It's, it's a really interesting phenomenon, I think. But, but I think it's just opening up the whole opportunity, the whole environment to a vast number of people who wouldn't have had that chance and who wouldn't have wanted to go to university, but find that by studying whilst they're working that, that they are getting into a career, which is what they wanted to do in the first place, um, and, and finding it very fulfilling. So I think it's... It's, it's another route, and I completely agree with Malcolm. It's not for everybody, um, but it's, it certainly appears to be for a lot of people. Great, thank you. Um, Claire, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I agree with, with everyone on the panel. I think the, the, the great thing about, higher, um, about degree apprenticeships is that um, obviously there's a clear benefits for the apprentice themselves, um, but I think for the employer, they're not picking somebody who's got that degree and then trying to mould them to their business. They're developing um, that that young person at the same time as they're learning their skills. So it absolutely fits into their business. And I think that's such an advantage um, to not just that business, but to the economy as a whole. And I think the other thing that um, I think is has been quite transformational is the opening up of the provider base when it comes to degree apprenticeships. Because obviously, you know, you've got universities coming into the space of apprenticeships, which wasn't really heard of a few years ago. So I think that that's transform not just how things are delivered, but also the perceptions of the general public around apprenticeships and the value that that brings to young people and to employers. Brilliant. Thank you. And 
And Claire, do you think do you think Barclays could survive now if degree apprenticeships weren't about D- digital degree apprenticeships? Weren't about? I think we survived for over three hundred years, so I think we could. <laughs> but um, would we want to? Is a different question. Um, you know, we we see the vitality of the degree apprenticeship and the flexibility. So, for example, we've worked really closely with um, Manchester Metropolitan to use a digital pathway to fix a problem that we foresee in the future. So we, as many companies, banks, insurance companies, we're on a mainframe system. Mainframe isn't being taught at universities, so we have no mechanism to buy young talent in the mainframe space. And we're using the the digital um, solution as a vehicle to teach people those legacy systems as well. So it's not just about new and emerging technologies. It's about underpinning the legacy systems that we as as a country need as well. So could we survive without that? I don't know. I don't think we probably could. Oh, big message from Claire. I like that. (laughs) Right. Okay. Now we're going to come to you guys, uh, who I know you're itching to uh, ask some questions. So uh, if you'd like to ask a question, question here already. I think we've got some roving mics. Where are my roving mics? Roving mic here to the gentleman with the blue shirt (coughs) on. Uh, Could you um, just uh, introduce yourself and the organisation you're from before you ask a question? Thank you. My name is Alistair Irons. I'm from uh, the University of Sunderland. I've been running degree apprenticeships uh, uh, for four years. Um, a question to, to the panel uh, really about where we started off the conversation uh, the, this afternoon around the, the changes to the system. The current system's only been operating for a, a couple of years, uh, and I wonder if it's too early to consider changing it again. Great, great question. Thank you, Alistair. Um, Claire, do you want to pick up that question to begin with? Absolutely. Is it, is it too early? Are we, are we, you know, are we so far into the sure. only so far into the reforms? Um, I think it's a really good question. It's an interesting question. Um, we, we're we're working and living in such a fast-paced, changing environment that it's only right that we constantly look to check that um, what we're doing, what we're producing, the apprenticeships that um, young people and employers are embarking on, uh, is absolutely meeting their needs. So um, I think we've come a long, long way. I think we've, um, you know, the, the NAO report, as Anthony says, has, has broadly said, you know, we're going in the right directions, but there's some, still some tweaks that need to be done to make things right. So we wouldn't expect after two years for a reform programme to be fully embedded and to be um, sort of fully um, uh, you know, singing from every every sheet. but So I think it is important that we keep a check on that, that we keep reviewing and that we make sure that we are meeting the needs of, of employers and apprentices as we um, as we move forward. Great, thank you. Malcolm, what do you think? Is it, is it too early? Well, I think we need to um, maintain faith in the system that we've established, but we also need to look at what's working and what could work better. And so I think evolutionary change is a positive, actually. I don't think we should embark on a revolutionary change but for example who wouldn't welcome more clarity around funding bans who wouldn't welcome um, ensuring that the employer voice is very strongly heard Um, we don't yet know the difference that apprentices will really make once they graduate um, in terms of um, upskilling the workforce and enhancing productivity so maybe at some point we might want to put more money into the system so I think we should be open-minded, but look to the evidence to drive um, evolutionary change. Great. Okay, so, so maintain the faith. Maintain the faith, yeah. Great. Or in the words John Bon Jovi, what did he say? What's John Bon Jovi? 
Keep the faith. Keep the faith. Thank you. <laughs> I've, I've no, I, it was I've a no great idea. joke. <laughs> and I, just, I totally messed that up. Sorry. Bob, um, ignore that last uh, few seconds. Um, too early, do you think? I, I won't say it's too early for changes because there have been changes since day one. Of, of, you know, from the moment we started creating the degree apprenticeship in 2014, you know, the rules were changing on a weekly basis and we were having to... I'll rephrase that. The interpretation of the your guidance was changing. Um, and so we had to make changes on the fly and we've had to do that since then. Um, and we know now that the uh, it's a very successful degree apprenticeship programme which is actually out in the marketplace, the level six one that, that Chloe is on, it would not pass the rules today. Um, and so I think it is a shame that the rules are changing so quickly that we're not seeing a number of outputs from the programme before people say, How, did that work well? What, what wasn't good about it? What was good about it? So I, I think it's inevitable we will see change, but I would like to see the change being done in a more cautious way. Okay, so change, but at a, at a slower pace, kind of change, test the results, and change again based on that feedback. In a way that a lot of researchers done, yes. T test something and then and then decide what to do next. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Claire, what do you think? Too early yet? Possibly. I, I think, you know, to Malcolm's point, this, this change can be a real positive. I think we need to keep in mind that the, the purpose of the original reform was to put this in the employer's hands and it does um, need to be kept at the forefront of that, that thinking, really. You know, the changes that are being proposed, are they really what employers need or want. And I think that has to be at the heart of the, the decision-making around this because otherwise the reform that started this really great opportunity could be unpicked very quickly. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you seen change while you've been studying or have you just seen, from, from your perspective, from the apprentice point of view, has it been exactly as you expected from the outset? Um, I've definitely seen change. I think because I was on the first cohort of the Digital and Technology Solutions, it, it was everything was sort of being put together as we were going and um, so we've definitely seen a lot of change but I think where we're at now in the program it seems like everything's solidified it seems like the dust has finally settled and and people are starting to feel comfortable with the program and I, I don't know it's hard for me to say whether it's too soon for the right. changes but yeah I think it's going all right <laughs> right thank you more questions please Gentleman here with the black shirt, or black jumper on. Mike on its way. Oh, there's a mic on its way to you. No. Not yet. Oh, it's, I think it's there. I think it's on now. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay. So, I'm Pete Sawyer from Aston University. Hi. Um, it's been lovely to hear such uh, positive reports from somebody who's an apprentice at the moment and somebody who's an employer, but I was just wondering, you know, more generally given the range of different models of degree apprenticeship that we have in the, the tech sector, how generally we think or we believe that uh, it's working for apprentices and employers. Okay. Claire, can I come to you first? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So we do a number of pathways. So I am head of apprenticeships across the Barclays Group. So that's everything from our investment bank, our retail bank and our technology firms. Um, and so we run a different variety with a different number of providers. And... Generally, everybody who's on our degree apprenticeships has a very similar experience regardless of their learning pattern. I think the biggest challenge is the overcoming the idea of a student first and an employee second versus they're actually our employees first and students second. And I think that's the big challenge that um, people have, have had to 
understand and overcome and partner on more effectively. But um, And that's the big variance between the different learning providers that we use for degree apprenticeships is how well that partnership is embedded. But actually, the, the general experience from a broad spectrum of, of qualifications seems very positive from the Barclays perspective. Brilliant. And Chloe, the, the other question, you know, is how's it, how's it working for apprentices? Um, could you repeat the question, sorry? <laughs> I think the question was... Sorry. Well, well it, was, it was actually a difficult question for an individual to, to answer, but it was about, you know, we, we, we know about your own experience, but I was wondering whether there's evidence more widely that employers and apprentices' needs are being served by the degree apprenticeship mechanism as it exists at the moment. Okay, so from <laughs> your cohort, the, you, the, stu the other students you were studying with, is there kind of consensus that it's working or...? <laughs> I would say so. I think, again, being part of the very first cohort of apprentices on, on this degree, we've been quite fortunate in that we've had quite a lot of say as apprentices um, about how the degree has been run up to now. So um, MMU have come to us quite a bit for feedback um, and especially to our employers as well. Um, and I know that quite a lot of the employers have got involved with shaping um, the degree apprenticeship at MMU um, and our feedback has always been taken into account and always been actioned on if it was reasonable um, so I would say yeah I think everyone on my cohort would probably have the same agreement that our feedback is listened to and everyone seems I think if if something was going majorly wrong we, we would know about it and there's nothing at the moment that that I know about that anyone's got any big issues or anything so Brilliant. Um, Claire, I know, I know the National Audit Office report commented, actually, broadly speaking, employers have welcomed the changes. What, what's, what's, your, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, employer satisfaction levels with apprenticeships are increasing. Um, there's, um, and I can't remember the statistics, I apologise for that, but um, employers saying that the new standards are serving them much better than the previous framework. So I think that's a, a real positive. Um, and I think from the young apprentice point of view as well, we're getting similar kind of satisfaction levels. And in fact, I was trying to recruit Chloe just before we started. We have a young apprenticeship ambassadors network, which is... Um, I don't think you're meant to do that. I don't think you're meant to try to recruit. Am I not? No, I don't think that's okay. something. I just, I don't well, she, okay, she was trying to get on okay. it. <laughs> um, which is a group of amazing young apprentices, many doing degree apprentices actually, who absolutely go out there and tell people about the experience that they're having and how the, the, the degree apprenticeship and their apprenticeships are really serving them in their future career. Because I actually think that the, the issue is less around how it's serving them and how the broader community actually understand how it works and the benefits that can get and you know people like Chloe and the and the broader network are fantastic ambassadors for doing that and to be honest can do that much better than a civil servant <laughs> sort of because they can tell it how it really is so I think that's probably where the the emphasis needs to be because the benefits are definitely definitely there great thank you Malcolm, I think you want to come in. Well, look, it's not just about what the apprenticeships uh, are doing for business. It's actually about what the apprenticeships are doing for society. So if you look at uh, our DTS apprentices, for example, the proportion of women is three times greater than on our computer science programmes. Um, I've met a large number of our apprentices. Some of them, um, particularly from, say, BAME communities, 
um, the opportunity to take an apprenticeship has literally transformed their life and the lives of their families. So this is about, I think, changing the way in which you operate as a society. It's not just about the needs of business. And, you know, despite the importance of those needs, this is really something which is transformational, actually. And it's, it's very early stages. So I think, you know, it's going to be hugely impactful. Mm. No, it's, it's a really good point. I, we just, um, I, I do some work at the Federation of Small Business, and we've just completed some work mm. on, on uh, small businesses and apprenticeships. And that element of social mobility is so, so important for smaller organisations. So I think you're absolutely right. There's this wider yeah. social benefit that frequently gets o- overlooked. Yeah. Um, Bob, do you want to come in? I would just want to say that, you know, that there are lots of constraints in the world of apprenticeships, but the, one of the things I really appreciate is the flexibility that, that employers have when it comes to choosing the universities they work with and indeed how the university employ- and employers work together. So you know, the mode of delivery of the programme can vary from one university to the next. Um, or even within one university to suit the needs of the employers and the duration of the programme. So I, I think that level of flexibility is really valuable for both the university and the employer, and presumably it works well for the apprentices too because they, they seem to be very happy. And, and certainly, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's currently the digital route is being... Um, it's, it's under review by the, by the IFA. Um, and last year the IFA issued an online survey and asked employers what issues do they have with the with digital apprenticeships. And the employer feedback was extremely high. Good, in terms of good. And very, very positive. So there's very few negative statements made about any of the apprenticeships, and certainly uh, very, very few about the degree apprenticeships. So mm. it seems to be working mm. for everybody. I think it's also worth reflecting tech partnership degrees. You hold your regular calls. Yes. And the roll call of organisations that you have on that call is a testament to kind of the level of enthusiasm for getting this right. We, we work with about 30 universities and, and, and literally dozens, well over 100 employers, never all on the call at the same time, but you're quite right. Um, and just one other point I would just like to make too, and Malcolm reminded me of this, about, uh, about small companies, SMEs. There's a number of SMEs who told me it's the first time they've had a real opportunity to get really good talent into their organisations because 18 or thereabouts, they find it far more easy to recruit someone into their organisation and pay them a decent salary than, than they certainly do when it comes to getting a degree, people in with a degree and competing against the Barclays of this world when nobody recognises their name. So it seems to work very, very well for them. Great, thank you. Um, some more questions from the audience. I feel like Fiona Bruce question time. Uh, lady at the front here, please. And then the next question, I think there's a question um, over here somewhere as well. Good afternoon. So um, we've heard a lot in the press. So can you just introduce yourself? Oh, sorry. I'm Jane Dickinson. I'm from The Open University, and we deliver degree apprenticeships too. Um, there's been lots of news in the press about an overspend with regards to the apprenticeship budget. Is there a problem, and does funding policy need to change to balance the budget? Okay. It feels like the elephant in the room question. Thank you for that. Um, I wonder who you're going to. Could I maybe come to you first, Claire? Possibly, right? yeah. Um, we, we, we are 
within our budget in this spending review period. Um, but we're also very aware that um, through the reforms and through the development of standards, employers are choosing higher level um, qualifications um, as part of their apprenticeships, which take longer, they cost more. So they're all things that need to be considered um, as we move into the next spending review period. So, you know, we're obviously, it's a, we will, um, balance things. We will look to where we need the pr um, program to go for the future and the needs of the employers, and take that into the spending review. But um, currently, the you know we our budget is um, fine within our current spending review period. Hmm. Claire, I, I think there's, there's the stat is that the new standards, on average, are twice the price of frameworks. So. Would you be happy to? Would you be happy to pay more levy, or to go back to the old system? That's a loaded question. That is a loaded question. <laughs> um, I, I th from our perspective, we are have a plan to spend our levy, and I think paying for quality is what's most important to us. So, you know, the degree the degree apprenticeship, for example, is only nine thousand pound more expensive over the period of the time than the level three technology qualification. And that's a and that that qualification qualification takes eighteen months, so you know there, there's a there is a perhaps a, a review to take place across some of that in terms of the duration and the quality that we get from it, but from a a quality and a um, value for money, the degree apprenticeship hands down is is by far the best value for money from those standards today. Great, thank you, Malcolm. Would you, would, would you charge less for a degree apprenticeship in order to well, get budget? Well, look, I, th I think we're asking the wrong question because we're talking about inputs. What we should be talking about is the outcomes of all of this. You, as a country, we've got a really uh, long distance to go in terms of driving up productivity. Um, you know, we don't have the skills base that we need to be as internationally competitive as we might be. Um, you know, given what is happening at the moment, you know, within the UK and our, our, our place in the world, we absolutely have to invest in our people, whether they're young people or people already in careers. And if we don't do that, you know, the future's going to be bleak. So, you know, let's not worry about the cost. Let's think about the value. So I actually think we're asking the wrong questions. Hmm. And do you, do you think the, do you think that's, um, that's an easy calculation for, say, government universities or employers to make in terms of that long-range value that's created? Well, I think it's, you know, this is not, this is not a short-term business, is it? I mean, we haven't got our first set of degree apprentices, you know, graduated and, and into the workplace and fully functioning yet. So, you know, I think it's important to look at the impact of these early cohorts and to demonstrate the value that they add to the businesses with whom they're working. Because the businesses will then turn around and say, you know, crikey, you know, look at what we're getting from this. You know, uh, we need to invest, but also, the, you know, the country needs to invest because the benefits are shared. Mm -hmm. So, so broadly, you know, the focus has got to be on that long-term focus. It's got to, it, it, it absolutely that. has to be. You know, these are, you know, we're investing in people's futures. You, mm -hmm. you can't uh, expect to see the, the returns next week. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a bigger, bigger, bigger timescale than that. Yeah. Thank you. Chloe, would you, um, just on, on funding, would, would you think differently about degree apprenticeship if you had to part fund it with a student loan, do you think? Um, that's a good question. I think, I think it all depends on the person. For me, I was already willing to go to uni at the time that I started my degree apprenticeship. I was willing to have quit my full-time job to go to uni to get the skills that I needed to do the job. So I think it, 
it it all depends. I think a degree apprenticeship is something that you should only really go into if you're very, very serious about the job that you want to do and you know exactly what you want to do. Um, and if you're, you are in that position, then I think most people would be willing to, to put some towards it if it meant that they were getting the skills that they needed to then have the career that they wanted. Um, yeah, it depends how much. <laughs> no, obviously, obviously. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that very yeah. honest uh, answer. Um, some more questions from the audience, please. Uh, just over here, gentleman over here, and then lady over here. Oh, and just over here, please, as well. Okay, um, gentleman over here, please, first. Hi, um, Brave Farmer, Coventry University. Uh, can degree apprenticeships offer the appropriate skills for uh, Industry 4 and the next Industrial Revolution? Next Industrial Revolution, love this question. Bob, what do yes. you think? Yes, right, <laughs> thank you. Uh, do you want anything more? Um, <laughs> yes, definitely, yes. I, I genuinely think they are already. I think, I think what we're seeing is that the level of flexibility um, in the way that apprenticeship standards are written enables universities to keep, keep in pace with changing technology. So you know, there was a lot of concern that, that employers for the review may have said that the, this degree of apprenticeship is out of date. It's not out of date. The universities are keeping it completely up to date. So I think as technology needs change, the, you know, the knowledge, skills and behaviours specified within the, within the, certainly the digital and technology solutions to go apprenticeship, are specified in such a way that they, they can accommodate that change because there's nothing, there's no proprietary you know, software mentioned in there, there's no, there's no fixed way of doing anything. It's, it's the concepts and the transferable skills which are being, which are being shown, so absolutely. Hmm. Right, Claire, I think you mentioned yes. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Claire, you mentioned earlier that actually it's, it's delivering skills that you can't get anywhere else. Yeah. Is it getting Barclays ready for the fourth industrial revolution? Absolutely. We use it across the spectrum of our technology skills. So everything from those legacy skills to emerging technologies. And, and we keep in contact and regular discussions with the university to make sure that those skills are being taught and thought about and positioned to equip our, our students and our apprentices ready for that eventuality but the biggest thing that a degree apprenticeship learns is that cadence of learning continually and applying that knowledge immediately and so because of that that is really equipping us for that next industrial technology revolution. Well I think that lifelong learning piece yeah. is going to be so important over the next you know over this next Absolutely. period of massive technological change. Malcolm you're, you're uh, one of the leading academic institutions in the country what's your take on the role of degree apprenticeships and the the demands of the fourth industrial revolution. Yeah, I've got nothing new to add. I concur with my colleagues. Excellent. Yeah. Lots of agreement here on stage. <laughs> and I think there's a question over here. Uh, this, this lady here. Well, unless it's all sorted down in London this afternoon, which I suspect it might not be, um, we're living in it's times. Very skeptical. It's very well, uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry. Let's just stay. Let's stay optimistic. <laughs> okay, but we are living in times of unprecedented uncertainty. And I just wonder whether more uncertainty about the way in which degree apprenticeships are run for both universities and for uh, employers uh, is helpful at this time, or whether or not it might be better to try and achieve stability in the degree apprenticeship world, at least. Great, thank you. Claire, can I come to, come to you on this? You know, the, the nature that, you know, if you change... Change the system. Yeah. I know, well, I did promise none of the difficult questions. I'm sorry. Um, but I'll take the Brexit bit. <laughs> um, I, I think it's... I'm, 
it, I suppose it depends how you look at the uncertainty, really. I mean, from my point of view, this is about ensuring that employers are getting absolutely what they want. So to me, that is certainty that they're shaping and molding it to create the product and the apprentices that they want. Um, linking back to the previous question about, you know, the fourth industrial revolution. And so to me, that brings that certainty that the products that are being created are what employers want. Mm. Well, I, I think, you know, when you talk about uncertainty, um, there's the external environment, and that's always going to be uncertain. I accept it's particularly uncertain at the moment, but being part of the uncertainty stems from the fact that we're not probably organised optimally when it comes to the way in which apprenticeships are governed. And if you think about it, the Institute for, the Institute for Apprenticeships occupies some space. The DfE occupies part of that space. The EFSA also occupies some space. So actually, the responsibility for delivering apprenticeships is, is joint across a number of organisations. So that also represents, um, I think, a lack of clarity. And I think we need to evolve from that to a position where actually we've got a clear line of sight on who is responsible for what definitively. So um, take funding bans, for example. Um, the DfE has responsibility for agreeing funding bans, but the IFA recommends the funding ban. The IFA will hold its hand up and say, oh, it's not, you know, it's not up to us. The DfE sets those funding bans, yet the DfE has never turned back one funding ban recommendation from the IFA. And Claire and colleagues will tell you there's a lack of clarity as to how those funding bans are set. So I think the owners actually, you know, we can't fix the uncertainty in the outside world but we can fix the uncertainty within the way in which we organise ourselves and structure ourselves and govern ourselves. And I think that should be the focus. To create certainty in the system. Yeah. You can't control yeah. the outside yeah. stuff. Exactly. Um, exactly. Although Claire's promised to fix Brexit. Right. <laughs> so we've divided it between us. Excellent. Claire will deal with Brexit. We'll deal with the Brexit. <laughs> Excellent. And last question from uh, Jacqueline, please. Uh, Mike, just from behind you. side is it achievable easily the apprentice side is it too much too little um, and the productivity benefits look like they are much higher when you increase the level of on-the-job training Brilliant. thank you Claire do you want to start with that yeah I think we exceed very easily the 20% um, particularly in the digital pathways um, you know whilst they're at the university learning they're also Every one of our apprentices is given online systems where they can further learn, um, as well as having all that coaching and support, mentoring from experts in the field. We're really privileged at Barclays to have a number of industry-leading experts. So our apprentices do benefit from that knowledge sharing and, and working alongside those through the project space. So I think it is very easy to exceed that 20% in a digital capacity. Really, Chloe, are you finding that you can allocate that 20% of your time to, to studies, as well as doing essentially a full-time job. So you're working full-time hours plus doing yeah. 20%. How, how do you manage that? Um, yeah, it, it's, it can definitely be a struggle at times, especially when there's like three deadlines coming up in, in a few weeks, that kind of thing. But um, I've found that um, my workplace has actually been really, really supportive. So 
it's been it's been I've been really lucky to be to work in a workplace where I've been comfortable approaching my manager and 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 saying oh I might need a little bit of time to do this or could you maybe help me look at something and stuff like that so I think my workplace has been really supportive um and also the university um there's just so much support on a degree apprenticeship from from all angles the university want you to do well your workplace obviously want you to do really well so everyone's just working together um to to help you get the grades that you, that you want to achieve so um I think it's definitely yeah I've, I've, I've not really had any problems managing the workload and balancing like the work life study balance do you think it should be more uh, Jacqueline mentioned that in Germany it's 30 percent do you think you could do more studying um I, I'm, I won't tell Malcolm <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I'm not sure whether, the, whether it's necessary. Okay. To be honest, I think I'm learning so much while I'm in work that it's helping me when I'm going to university. I, I wouldn't really, to be honest, sometimes I don't like being pulled away for that once a week to go to university. I'm, I get stuck into what I'm doing in work and it, it's, it's like I'm being dragged away from what I'm really enjoying doing to go and sit in a lecture, <laughs> as bad as that sounds. But yeah, I think the 20% is, is more than enough. It's how you define learning. So there's a formal learning, the, the, the day a week, that gives them directionally that 20% um, of that off the job. But then there's all that learning to do the job in the workplace. So there's lots of ways that people can learn, whether they're an apprentice or not. And I think it's that bit that people don't necessarily know how to measure or effectively measure or effectively report on. Yeah, we're, we're conflating teaching and learning here. That's the, that's yeah. the key point. Yeah. Can you, can you believe it, guys? We're, we're almost out of time. Really? Yeah, we've had so, I, yeah, I can tell you've had so much fun up here now. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to say so thank you very much, everyone, for your great questions. But I'm just going to ask uh, my panellists for so their, their final thoughts and, and maybe kind of address the question um, about what you think degree apprenticeships will look like in 10 years' time. And we've got about 45 seconds each. Bob? I'm hoping they won't look too different to the way they look today. They seem to be working. Um, I'm sure they'll evolve, but they, they seem to be working at present. Um, I would like to think that the, the, the DfE, the IFA government will listen more to employers, because I actually don't agree that employers have been listened to enough. I think that debate has actually moved away from employers. So I would suggest listen to employers and, uh, and, 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 and allow them to tell you how to take this forward, and it will work well. Brilliant. Malcolm, 10 years' time, what do you think they look like? High quality, employer-led, uh, responsive to um, societal demand, and well-regarded. Great. Thank you very much. Claire, what's, what's, what's your view in 10 years' time? I mean, once, we fix, once yeah. you've fixed Brexit. Once I've fixed Brexit. Um, I don't think I can put it better than Malcolm, really. You know, employers in the driving seat, designing exactly what they want, um, high quality, fantastic careers for young people who are taking them up and real impact on the productivity of the economy. Great. Thank you. Claire, what would you like to see in, in apprentice, degree apprenticeships in 10 years' time? I'd like parents, teachers and all people of almost generational to see it as the premium route to gaining a job and learning how to do that job. Great. And Claire, when you're CEO of a business in 10 years' time, what, what do you envisage your organisation will be doing with degree apprenticeships? Um, I was going to say something similar to Claire. So I would like to, to see more schools and, and parents and, and students seeing 
degree apprenticeships as the same kind of level of, of option as a normal degree is like to be yeah when I was in school I wasn't taught about any apprenticeships or anything like that it was university or nothing um so I'm quite passionate about promoting apprenticeships so I'd like to see people considering degree apprenticeships as much as they would consider a degree and do you think do you think there'll be a point where people think of degree apprenticeships before they think about going to university to study a regular degree I would hope so I don't yeah I don't see why not as to me it's a no-brainer mm. but <laughs> yeah I would hope so brilliant well thank you very much thank you very much to uh, all my panelists to uh, Bob Chloe Claire Malcolm and Claire, Claire 2, Claire 1, Claire 1, Claire 2. Um, thank you very much. I think round of applause for my panellists. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you. And also, thank you very much for all you guys. You've been a fantastic audience. Round of applause for yourselves. Thank you. <laughs>